I, uh, I'm excited to see this room filled because we have been praying for you for a year. Uh, when God called us to plant this church, I thought, this is going to fail miserably. No one's going to be interested in this. Why would you need another church in, in Minnesota? I'll get to that in a minute. Uh, who is going to join this thing? What church, how am I going to find people to invest in it? And before we had any investment from two parent churches, which are in Blaine right now, worshiping and excited that we exist. Before we had anyone who joined our launch team to go ahead and start this church. Before we had any mission or before we knew where we were going to be, we started praying specifically for you. That Jesus would make a difference in your life. And I just want you to know, like, seeing this is the biggest encouragement because... I believe, and I think this is the core of what this church is about, that the gospel is this transformative thing. The good news of Jesus is this transformative thing in our lives. And it takes, uh, it's more than just making good people better, which I think is a message that we hear a lot out there. It's taking dead people and making them come alive. And that is what my prayer has been for you for a year before I ever knew you. Um, and in the last four or five months, we've had 70 people who joined the church first. They've only been here for three weeks, so don't, you know, they're not like, they haven't been here forever, but they've been praying for you. They've been investing. They've been doing things. And now this church exists, and you're here, and I am so pumped. And so I'm going to pray because I'm a mess right now, and we're going to talk about uh, God's word here for a second. So would you just pray with me? Jesus, you have been doing something for so long in this area. You've been moving me and and my wife and our family to be thinking about this place and to be thinking about what you were going to do. And you've been drawing people in. You've been pursuing people. You've been uh, putting their path in the way of people who have encouraged them, who have drawn them in, who have helped them find their way here, God. And I pray that all of us, every person in this room would be able to put aside our own, our own pride, our own expectations, anything that we bring in here, our own baggage of what we've dealt with in other churches in our past, God, and that we would again be freshly in front of your word and your message and that we would let it dive deep into who we are. God, that you would stir in us something new and that you would bring again dead people to life. That's what we pray for that you would do today. In Jesus' name, amen. And so I have been praying for you for almost a year, and I'm excited to see you. Uh, This is the kind of church that wants to lead people to their knees in front of their creator that they would decide to follow him. And it's, it's the main thing. Like I said, Jesus is the main thing. The resurrection is the main event for us, and his gospel is the main mission of what we are here to do. Uh, We want to make sure that those are the things that we hold out in front. They're our values. They're the things that we want to make sure that we're communicating on a regular basis. For us, it's important that those things are the things that lead us as a church. And I know pursuit is a weird name for a church, right? We agonized over what the name would be. In fact, if you want to have a great conversation later, let's talk about some of the other possibilities of names that got knocked down. Uh, It's a really good, there was a couple that I love that my wife absolutely vetoed, so I can tell you all about those ones. Um, (laughs) She'll probably have a different side of the story. Um, But pursuit is kind of a weird name. You say like, uh, is that a hipster church? Well, no, because like I'm a middle-aged tubby dad. Like there's nothing, I'm not hipster at all. Like, okay, yes, I have a beard, but it's not even cool. Like it's, um, we we didn't decide to do something super cool or hip. 
Uh, we don't, we don't, we're not going to have the, the best production value that you're going to find. Uh, there's going to be things about this church that are going to probably rub you the wrong way. I'm going to say things. By the way, I'm just going to let you know I'm from the East Coast, so sometimes I stumble over myself and say abrasive things. And I'm learning to speak to Minnesotans in just an abrasive enough manner to move you, <laughs> but not to offend you. And so if I do offend you today, please engage me and let's talk about it. Because uh, my goal is to help you find Jesus. It's not to beat you up, okay? And if you're from the East Coast, let me hear you. Woo! Woo! There we go. A couple people. They're always going to be the loudest people in the room. And super obnoxious, okay? So just get that. Um, we're not going to have the best production value. We're going to be piecing together. I mean, these guys were amazing today. You should have seen us last week. It was a mess. We're working hard to do what we think uh, God has called us to do, and it's not going to be perfect. I'm going to offend you. Someone in this church is probably going to offend you. You're not going to love the production value every single week. It's going to be uh, what we call imperfect. But you know what you're going to love at this church? The community. The mission. We want to put our hands on the plow. We want to get into the community ourselves. We want to be known, and we want to know people. Enough of the sliding into the back row of a church and then sliding out when it's over and not knowing anybody in the church. Enough trying to fight your way in to have friends and family that you get to go and experience church with every single week. You come here, I want you to be loved. I want people to know you. Know your name, know your face, and love you. Um, and it's going to take me time because I, I was even working the room ahead and I probably got to like 5% of you. Um, so I'll stay as late as we need to. Come introduce yourself or next week or the week after. But I want to make sure that you are known and that community is what defines us and that mission is what we do. Um, we may not have fancy lights and we may not have uh, incredible video stuff, but what you're going to have is something real, something that's based on Jesus, his teaching, his mission. That's what we're focused on. And so Jesus is the main thing. The resurrection is the main event and his message is our main message. Uh, it might be a weird name, but pursuit was on purpose, right? Uh, we started with this idea of what it looked like to chase after God, to follow him, to spend our effort in life trying to know Jesus better. That's really where, where we started with this idea. And so I have pursued many things in my life. I know you guys had answers to that question. My main pursuit other than Jesus Right? I have to say that. You have to check that one off. Other than Jesus, my main pursuit was my wife. Okay? So I want to take you back to the summer of 2001. Okay? I'm, I'm 37, if you're wondering. Uh, I met this young lady at camp. We were both Christian. It was a Christian camp. We were both counselors. We were both you know, uh, jumping into youth ministry, helping people, you know, kids know Jesus. And every counselor had to teach a skills class at camp. Now, some of you guys don't know me very well, but those of you who do know me, you know I don't have any skills, okay? <laughs> so I was between, like, art, not, it's not a thing I do. I don't do art. I like, you know, like, I do impressionist, you know, like, I'll just throw stuff on there. Uh, I don't, I don't, I didn't want to do sports because I didn't want to sweat before lunch, okay? That was kind of my, my thought process. Like, I like playing sports, but I didn't want to sweat because it was like two showers in a day. Like, that's not happening. This is camp. I'm lucky to get a shower in like two days, right? So uh, I didn't want to do sports. I didn't want to do, uh, you know, some of the other stuff. There was like archery. I'm like, I, what, what do I, I don't, I'm not going to go, I'm not a hunter. I don't see the need to know how to do archery. Uh, so I didn't want to do that. And so I got stuck teaching the drama 
skills class. It's as lame as it sounds. And I was teaching with this young lady who I instantly fell in love with, right? And you know, when you fall in love with something, you pursue it, right? So it doesn't matter if it's a person or if it's a thing, you pursue the things that you love. And so I hatched a plan. How am I going to wear this woman down to someday say yes to me? A person in the room, take some notes. This is a really good idea. Uh, It was the first week of camp when I knew that I was absolutely in love with this woman and she probably didn't even have any recollection of who I was. Like, she was probably not even paying attention to me at all. We went out for a counselor uh, meeting. She was sitting on a blanket in the middle of the green. And I went right up to her and I sat down next to her and I said, Marty, how many kids do you want to have someday when you're married? <laughs> to me. Uh, and she was like, what are you doing? <laughs> I don't think you know how this works. This is not a thing. So she was like, uh, and sometimes when you just like overwhelm people with stupidity, um, they will actually answer. So she said, I, uh, maybe three. And that was my plan, just to get her to answer. And I said, that's great. That works perfectly for me. <laughs> just wanted to make sure you weren't one of the Duggars, you know, that wanted like 25. And I said, please, can we go out sometime? And she was like, I don't know who you are. You're weird. Stay away from me. And that was the beginning of the pursuit. And I took two months that summer and wore her down until finally she said yes to go to me, go with me to Applebee's, okay? (laughs) That was our first date. So I'm just throwing that out there. She got salmon and broccoli. Uh, I can remember exactly what she ordered. I was so nervous, right? But we pursue the things that we love. We pursue the things that we love. This is what was guiding us when we named this church, okay? My other love in life other than Marty and Jesus, uh, or other, I should say, the other, other than Jesus and Marty, is bacon, okay? <laughs> it's very near and dear to my heart. Literally, ask my doctor. It's... <laughs> and so I have, man, I've made a pudgy joke and a bacon joke and a heart joke, all in the same so far. Um, so I have spent time, I'm, I'm looking for my list here, of finding the best breakfast in the Twin Cities, okay? I'm an expert. If you want to talk breakfast, I'll go all day with you. I've had everything at every place, okay? And so one of the things that I love is going to new breakfast places. I like going online. I like reading reviews about it. I try to learn what the specialty is at the place. I look for specific things that I like. Okay, right now, Original Pancake House has this incredible biscuits and gravy special. It's only for like a month or two. I'm just telling you, it's incredible. I have been to, uh, let's see, just, just a couple, like R.J. Rich's, Fat Nats, Original Pancake House, uh, Hazel's, Al's, Colossal, French Meadow, Keys, Mickey's, Neighborhood Cafe, and on and on and on and on and on. Breakfast is my favorite thing in the entire world other than my family and Jesus, okay? Uh, and bacon is one of my favorite things, and I judge places based on how well they make bacon. Um, does anyone, is, was anyone on that list, was that their favorite breakfast joint? Anyone? Have their, did I just mention your favorite breakfast joint? Okay, so I need to help the rest of you guys with it. (laughs) We pursue the things we love, which means we seek after the things that we love. I read reviews. I check the internet. I find new places. Anytime someone posts something, I'm the first one to go down and check the place out. We pursue the things we love. Retro video games. Okay? Maybe I'm a little bit hipster. I don't know. (laughs) 
I've been playing through all the old school games with my son, with my seven-year-old. We've been playing all through Mario, Mega Man, Zelda, Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Game Boy, Sega. Some of you just shut off. You're like, I don't know what you're talking about. Others of you, this is right in your wheelhouse. We share the things we love. We pursue the things we love and we share those things. And that was what was going through our head when we named this church. That's what we had in mind. I wanted to create a place where we were defined by what, where we were going and not who we had been. I wanted to find a place where people could come in and feel comfortable and heal. Come in and feel comfortable and know people. Come in and feel comfortable and be part of the mission of a group of people that are making a difference in the world. And we felt like Pursuit was the right name. Now, I've mentioned that I'm an import from the East Coast. And I have, in my past eight years living here, learned a lot about Minnesota culture and about Minnesotans. So I'm going to put my sociology hat on for a second. And I'm going to explain some of the things that I've learned about the culture here. And what I'm asking for you to do is to give me the same grace that I would give you. And to not hate me after I'm done talking about this. Okay? And not even passive-aggressively hate me. Just stick with me. Because I'm going to share something with you guys that I think is kind of an aha. It's something that I've learned in eight years about Minnesota culture. Do you know that if you asked Minnesotans, uh, are you a Christian? That Pew Research did this. They asked uh, Minnesotans, are you a Christian? It's based on their own definition. Hey, what, what does it mean to be a Christian? It's based on your own definition. 80% of Minnesotans said, I'm a Christian. That might, be, uh, might, might seem high to you, might seem low to you. I mean, I don't know. Living in this area, everyone seems to be really nice. Right? I think a lot of us grew up in something. We grew up as either a Lutheran or a Catholic or a Baptist or a Pentecostal, but we probably have some form of religion in our background that we came out of in Minnesota. Now, on the East Coast, it's a completely different story. Most people, a lot of people there are atheists. You're not going to get 80% saying they're Christians. It's probably going to be like 20% saying they're Christian. Okay, so you're asking the question, why would you want to start a new church in a place that says they're 80% Christian? Well, let me, let me tell you why. Another research study done by City Vision and, uh, and uh, a group that they worked with said that only on a Sunday, only one in five Minnesotans are involved in a church. There, there's, a, there's a disconnect happening. Okay? And so this is, this is just me putting my sociology hat on. This is why we started this church. This is the heart behind this church. Okay? We believed that there are a lot of people who walked away from church walked away from Jesus because of the religion that they experienced at some point in their life. Because of a bad experience at a church or a community, or it felt like whatever they were doing wasn't a real thing. Now, I've had this conversation with tons of people. Right? I've, heard, I was, I've heard these phrases from real people. Okay? So I've heard, I was born into a Catholic family, but I don't go anymore. I've heard, I went to church to make my mom happy. I've heard, uh, I did confirmation and then I graduated from church. I, I can't believe that was funny. I, I'm judging you right now. No. <laughs> I heard, when I'm home, I go to church with my mom, but that's it. I've heard, I, I've heard, I rejoined the church because my parents wanted us to go and get married in the church or to get our kids baptized in the church. I've heard I used to be Catholic, Lutheran, Baptist, Pentecostal, whatever. And at some point, I just stepped out of the door and I walked away. So in our culture, what we're dealing with, because now I can say our because I have two little Minnesotans that I'm raising and I'm trying to help them be like you, not like me. 
60% of the people that we're coming in contact with every single day would say, hey, I'm a Christian. I'm like somewhat connected. I, I think I like Jesus. But I haven't found a place that I can connect and be part of. And maybe I like walked away from Jesus because of the religion that I experienced. Right? But I'm not necessarily interested in going back to a church. A church hurt you. Maybe there's some real baggage that comes along with that. I mean, I think that's very real. If 60% of our culture has walked out, out of a church, there's probably some real stuff uh, um, in your life. I want to invite you back. That's why we started this church. So that people would enjoy being part of a community again. Put their hand on the plow of mission. And get involved with the gospel that Jesus has for every person. So this isn't going to be the kind of place where uh, we're going to, you know, we're going to open the doors wide and we're going to accept everybody in here. And it's going to be the kind of place that you're going to want to bring your friends and your family and you're going to be known and you're going to have a chance to, to serve. Jesus hated religion for religion's sake. He never wanted us to say prayers from rote memory. He never wanted us to be burdened by shame and guilt that comes with religion. He never wanted us to guide people to a set of rules enforced by an organization that was meant to keep the organization alive. He railed against those things more than anything else in his ministry. The people he was the hardest on was the religious people who were guiding people off of the path who were basically giving them enough religion to keep them in the system, but not allowing them to connect with a God who wants to know them. That's what he railed against. That was the thing, I think, that has caused a lot of us to potentially walk away. And if it's not you, it's someone you love. It's your son or your daughter. It's your mother or father. It's your brother and sister. It's your uncle, niece, nephew. It's your friend at work. You know somebody who's walked away from the church for those very same reasons. And Jesus shows us what it looks like. He flips tables in the temple because people were uh, turning religion into a business and keeping the poor from participating. I believe many people in our culture have walked away from Jesus because of religion. And so I want to talk today about the gospel. Today, my message is very simple. I want to share with you the good news of Jesus. I want to help you understand that first. The next four weeks, we're going to unpack what it looks like to be a Christian in this world. What it looks like to live this thing out. Because Jesus outlined some things that I think are very antithetical to what most churches are doing, what most Christians are doing. He's called us to a way, way more of a commitment than we ever thought was possible. He's called us to do some things that are way out there and kind of crazy. And we're going to unpack some of those things. But today, I want to share with you just the message of the gospel. And so I want to share with you our our verse that got us to the word pursuit. And it's in Matthew chapter 7. And this verse is coming from a teaching that Jesus did to the masses. Okay, this was not a teaching that he did just to some disciples. This was not a special leadership teaching. This was to a large group of people and he was trying to get out his main teaching. This was part of his main teaching to a large group of people, right? And this is what it says, Matthew chapter 7, verse 20. No, just kidding. I'm going to skip ahead to Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. You got that? Okay. So this is what he said. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. And so he basically says, as someone who's following Jesus, 
right? That you are uh, someone who should live in pursuit. That this isn't a one-time thing. This isn't a, uh, a religious thing. This is something where you should continue to ask and seek and knock and get to know Jesus and get to know God and learn more about him as you grow as a Christian. The more you grow, the more questions you should have about who God is. The more you should learn the answers to those questions and then have more questions about who God is. We don't get to the end of who Jesus is. We never can. We never can. So we continue to grow and be in pursuit. That's where we got our name from that, from that passage. Now, Jesus, in another section of his teaching, is actually just after this, he actually says something that is really kind of scary to think, right? So in verse 21, he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Many of you will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Do we not drive out demons? Do we not perform many miracles? And then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. So Jesus says there's going to be a time where you'll stand in front of God and it will matter whether you know Jesus or not. That the important thing is whether you have a relationship with Jesus. Not whether you jump through the religious hoops of being part of a church. The fact that you walked away from religion is actually means that you're smart. Because religion just causes us to think we're okay, but if we don't actually know Jesus, then we're lost. It's dangerous. Religion is dangerous. Relationship is what God wants. Jesus says, you have to know me. That's the important thing. And I love this pursuit language in the same passage, verse 7, but it's in the NLT. And this shows us what it looks like to actually be in pursuit. This is what it says. Keep on asking and you'll receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks the door will be opened. Jesus uses these verbs and they mean to continually ask, to continually seek, and to continually knock. It's not something that we do once and stop. It's not meant for us to do for a short time. It's meant for us to be the main pursuit of our life. That's where our name came from. And so I want to ask you this question today. Do you know Jesus personally? I don't care if you grew up something. And I don't care if your family baptized you into something. What I care about is whether or not you know Jesus personally. It's an intentional choice to follow Jesus. And it takes everything that we have. And we have to start here because nothing else works unless we have intentionally chosen to follow Jesus. And it's your decision. It's not your family's decision. It's not someone else's. It's yours. Have you chosen to follow Jesus? I'm a, I was, <laughs> I almost said I'm a youth pastor. I was a youth pastor. I got to speak at a camp this summer, and uh, amazing kids, you know, super awesome Christian kids. But when we talked about this, and I shared the gospel, hands went up all over the room of kids who were for the first time realizing, I need to accept Jesus for myself, okay? There's a difference between being religious or being part of a church and knowing Jesus for yourself. It's a transfer of faith. It's you saying, I'm not going to rely on my own 
stuff, I'm going to ask Jesus to be the thing that I rely on. I feel like this is where we kind of fall down sometimes because here's another sociological thing about Minnesotans. You guys are awesome. You're great people. You are pull yourself up by bootstraps kind of people. You are hardy, amazing. Can I say we? We are hardy, amazing people. We're out there shoveling the driveway at 4 a.m. before work when two feet have fallen and we get in our car and we go. And on the East Coast, they're like, we're not going to go to work today. This is the kind of people we are. But you know what it leads us to sometimes is relying on ourselves. I want you to know that the Bible paints this very clear picture that we are all imperfect and fall short of God's uh, glorious standard. That in fact, how good you are is sometimes a detriment to you responding to the gospel. That in fact, if you were a worse person, you would know you need Jesus and you'd respond easier. I have a much easier time explaining the gospel to a room full of people who know they're terrible than people who are actually pretty good. When we start comparing ourselves to each other, we don't get anywhere. Yeah, maybe you're better than the person down the street who didn't clean up his leaves. You've thought about that. Some of you have thought about that. Right? Maybe you're better than your, you know, someone in your family member, one of your family members is a train wreck. Maybe you're better than that guy at work. Guess what? doesn't matter. Because you don't, you don't live up to Jesus' standard. And what Jesus says to us is, lay down yourself and accept me. I will be the thing that makes you good. I will be the thing that makes you right in God's eyes. And when you stand in front of God someday, you'll say, I know Jesus. God will look at you and see Jesus, and he will let you in. Not only does, is heaven hang in the balance but actually the best possible life that we can lead right now, the one where we make the most difference in other people's lives, the one where we're most active for the gospel is available to us when we hand over what we do to Christ and ask him to be in charge of everything. So we need to step away and say, do I know Jesus personally? Here's what Jesus says also in Matthew chapter 7. It's all in the same chapter if you want to read it later. Verse 13, he says, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. Only through the narrow gate. And then he says, I love this version, I picked it on purpose. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide and many who choose that way. But the gate to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever Find it. What Jesus is saying here is all of us are passively moving towards separation from God because of our own selfishness and our own sin and the places that we fall short. That we are passively moving towards a place that separates us from God. And when we actively choose to intentionally get off that road and find a very narrow path, the narrow path is Jesus. Right? Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except for me. We find that path. We make an intentional choice to go through that, on that path, and we walk through the gate of Christ. Then we are made right in God's eyes. But if we do nothing, and we rely on ourselves, and we're just good people, then maybe we're better than the person down the road, but we're still not okay in God's eyes. And we get to that last day, and we look at God, and he says, 
I don't know you. You need to know Jesus. That's what, that's what changes the equation. That's what we're starting with today. And so I implore you to find the humility to make that decision today. And I think if I were a religious person trying to get you to do religion, what I would tell you to do right now is to go home and read your Bible more and pray more and do a lot of nice things for your neighbors. right? And I would tell you to go and fill your list of good things that you were doing. But that's not what I'm going to tell you to do today. What I want you to understand is, yes, pursuit was about us pursuing God and the people he loves, right? Here it is, always in pursuit of Jesus and the people he loves. That's our mission statement. But it's a lot more than that. See, the thing is, we could try harder to do this and we would fail. We can do this because we know Christ. The thing that we forget is that we learn how to pursue from a God who pursues us. We think we're the ones seeking, knocking, and asking. And in reality, Jesus has been seeking, knocking, and asking in your life, drawing you to this place. Look, look what it says in Revelation 3.20. It's the same language. Here's Jesus. Here I am. I stand at the door and I knock. You think you're following me and pursuing me, that you're knocking and asking me for stuff. In fact, Jesus is pursuing you and he's knocking and asking for you to open the door. He's asking for you to let him in, for you to transfer your faith, for you to give your life to him. That's what he's asking for. We pursue because he first pursued us. We've learned this from Jesus. This is what it looks like. And it's not easy. When we model this, when we actually go and pursue some of the people in this world, who the rest of the world has forgotten about, who the rest of the world isn't paying attention to, we are doing what Christ has done for us. He says, behold, here I am. I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. I want to invite you to give your life to Jesus. I know what that means. You'd be like, I can't give my life to Jesus. I've been a Christian my whole life. Maybe. I was baptized in this church at this time. Maybe. I want to ask you again, do you know Jesus personally? And it might mean putting aside some pride and it might mean I'm going to freshly give myself to Christ again. But that's where we have to start. So I would love it if you would close your eyes and get with God. Maybe bow your head. Whatever for you is a reverent position is what I would love to see. And I want you to ask yourself this question. Do I know God personally? Not did I jump through the hoops of religion. Not was I baptized into something. Not did my family choose. Do I know him personally? Have I transferred my faith to him? And I want to invite you if that's where you're at today, to do that, to accept Jesus. I'm going to pray a prayer, and that's all it takes. The Bible says very clearly that when we believe that it was Christ who died for us and that brought us forgiveness of sins, and when we profess that with our mouth, then we are saved. And so sometimes it's just a prayer of saying, Jesus, I transfer my faith. So would you pray with me? You can do it under your breath. You don't have to do it out loud. That would be weird. Would you pray with me if you want to accept Jesus? And in fact, if you want to accept Jesus again for the hundredth time, you can still pray with me. Jesus, I am a sinner. 
I am imperfect. I might be better than my neighbor, but I fall short of your glorious standard. And I know I need you. My way doesn't work. Jesus, would you come into my life? Would you take over? And God, would you change my life? That's it. That's all it takes. I want to ask you to do something if you prayed that for the first time. You don't need to lift your hand or lift your head or look at me, but would you this week send me an email? Say, Mark, I accepted Jesus for the first time and now I need some help because I'd love to get with you. Put a Bible in your hands start to talk to you about what it means to be a Christian. I'd love to help you figure out what it looks like to follow Jesus. For those of you who accepted for the hundredth time and said, I want to again freshly say that Jesus is the thing in my life and I'm going to invite you to invest in this church and continue to grow in your faith. I want to close with a song, so I'm going to ask you to stand and let's go ahead and finish in worshiping Jesus.